Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. And we're finally at the regular season. No more hypotheticals. No more uh, galaxy braining what the rosters will look like. We know who's going to be here, who's graduated, at least for the time being. Nothing's permanent. But we're starting to get, get an idea of the talent we'll see in the American League this year. Yeah, nothing's permanent in the American League, especially. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned the rosters. I mean, like, even we're almost there. But even now, like, uh, you, you you look at the uh, the last minute adjustments that teams were making, and it's like, okay, well, is this guy actually up or not? You know, like, like I don't know Arizona, for example, like they had sent down Travis Boy, or they put him on waivers, and then then they stayed on the NHL roster. So, like, I, I think that too, when you get into the waiver situation, that's obviously what we discussed last week. You know, and so like the the plans that are are, are put in place over the you know June, July, August, September can also then get get kind of put into uh, upheaval either because you add someone on waivers or you you lose somebody and all of a sudden there's there's that roster disruption so but i think opening night is friday we're just about there we have uh you know a good another good crop of young prospects coming in first rounders uh number of good prospects returning as well um uh, some familiar bases like you know the vets are back so it's a should be another interesting year for sure absolutely the first one i want to highlight was for incoming you know first round picks is dylan gunther in tucson i want to give arizona a bit of credit here because you know we don't get to give them much and for a lot of reasons often but i think it was a smart idea to have gunther down the ahl and people <laughs> always talk about you know well he was in the nhl the year before he was sent down to the whl mid-year mind you but he he Looked pretty good in the NHL. You know, why isn't he there? And the reason I'm giving Arizona credit is twofold. One, they did sign some players this offseason, so they have depth up front. And the reason I credit them is because they made it hard on him to crack the roster. He didn't, and now they're going the patient approach, and I think it'll serve him well this year. I think you're right. I, I think Arizona, right? I mean, they, they take they take a lot of a lot of flack, uh, both on and off the ice. Um, and but you look at like what Bill Armstrong's done since he's come in there. He was he was he was a scout for a long time. Yes, Lewis. So he really understands the development side, the uh, player projection side. And for Arizona, yeah, it would be it'd be very easy to just okay. Here's here's a roster spot handed over to our ninth overall pick, a guy that we can kind of spotlight. And, and, and you know, certainly that's happened with teams, right? Like if you're a general manager, you want to show that hey, this player is. He's so he was such a great pick that he's already in the NHL, like mm-hmm. you know, most, in the simplest terms. And yet, I think they're taking the longer view. Um, what's actually best for the player, and not uh, just you know, is this a guy that you know we can, you know, we can sell some more tickets or or what have you? So uh, it's not always maybe the most exciting move to send in 
player down to the AHL. And yes, sure, he did have 33 games up top last season. But I mean, let's be honest, if it wasn't for that CHO development rule, I think they they would have had him in Tucson last year. But you know, the rule being what it is, they had to work within those constraints. They tried to give him as much uh, time as possible up top before they had to send him back. They did that. Now he's he's officially he's in that place where you can send him down to Tucson. And hey, if he goes down and, and tears things up, he's a, a two hour uh, car ride away. He could be you know in Arizona for for practice that you know next morning. So hey, you know I think that's the message to every player that's sent down is this need not be a permanent thing. Uh, it's only as permanent as, as you make it. Uh, and certainly a player like, like like him, if he goes down and shows uh, that promise, uh, he'll, he'll be up there in Arizona before long. Yeah, you know, you're looking at it too from a perspective of he was, so when he was with the NHL club, he was getting some power play time and he was getting reps. He scored, scored a decent amount, but he was not good enough to be a regular there, right? Mm-hmm. He was there because he was a first round pick and they were given that leash. He, he fared well, please mind you, like half a point per game is nothing. I mean, you know, as a 19 year old, nothing to to look away from, but you know, he wasn't ready last year, goes down to Seattle, dominant player, which is great. But now the next step is, okay, can you be a, not even just dominant, can you be a very relied on top end player at the pro level? That's the step we're at now with him. Sure. And that's why I think that it's a good idea to reassign him. That's my yeah. thinking behind it. Absolutely. You know, I, I forget, um, forget where I, I was Pascal Vincent. Um, he had uh, sent to the Columbus dispatch last week. Uh, the goal, the goal isn't to, to get you in the NHL and be a call up player. You know, a guy that goes back and forth. We want you to come up and we want you to be a player that stays for the next 10, 10 plus 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with, with a Gunther, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to mess them up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. And, um, so if, if you have to take a little bit of patience now on this side of things, I mean, he's 20 years old. Like, so, so what if he's, mm-hmm. if he's not in the NHL till he's 21, I mean, is that not still a massive success? So go down, uh, play, play in Tucson. He'll, he'll play 20 plus minutes a night. Um, he'll have ample time in terms of uh, learning, uh, that two way game doing so at the pro level. Hey, we know he has skill, but now it's, it's, it's put all, all all those other sides of his game together and kind of put it in a nice cohesive uh, package and, and do that. He'll be up. I see no problem with it. Brian Clark, Los Angeles Kings first round pick in 2021 is heading down to Ontario. Jordan Spence beat him out for the last defenseman spot. No surprise there. Spence is a great defenseman and prospect in his own right, but Brian Clark goes to Ontario and th- this is, this is going to be telling for Brad because you know, last year he got the nine game cup of coffee in NHL was fine i think he was a fish out of water it's fair to say but you know all things considering he did fine um they kind of tried to yo-yo him we should call it the mm-hmm. shane wright express you know they had him a couple conditioning stints um back up whatnot goes to world juniors and then he goes to then he goes to the ohl and he's scoring like two points a game um yeah. so that's nuts with brad clark now he needs to play like brad clark is a great talent and brad clark is a has capability to be a fantastic offensive defenseman. But for a guy like him that isn't the best skater, he needs to develop pro habits. He needs to have a more well-rounded game. He needs to be someone that you can trust to play 20 plus minutes. You know, you're not going to get him to be the best gap control defender. You're not going to get him to, to change his game, but you need him to be, you know, adequate enough in those weaker areas. 
and smart enough all around to trust him at the NHL level. And I think by going to Ontario, it's step one and doing that. Yeah. Uh, again, he'll play huge minutes in Ontario. He'll be playing for Marco Sturm. You talked about those pro habits where there's a guy that played, what, 15 years in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, knows every pro habit that you know you could ever want. Uh, coached internationally. Uh, Nate Thompson is there as well. You know, another longtime pro. So he'll be getting, if, if you're looking to build pro habits, uh, two good people to start with right there. Uh, and rather than you put him in LA, he's maybe in and out of the lineup. You know, he's not playing uh, big minutes. Uh, and then the NHL too, right? Like your mistakes will be exposed all the time. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, do you want a, a young defenseman, especially where every time, you know, he slips up, you know, it's in his back of his net. I mean, like that's, that's the thing with the NHL. There's no, there's no leeway, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so let him get to the, to the AHL and, and you have that time, that patience, he'll be away from the spotlight. Uh, you know, like that's the other thing in the NHL, right? Like the spotlight, as we know, is a lot brighter up there. Um, good and bad. And at least you come down to Ontario, you're a little bit, uh, away from that. And you can just work on some of those details of your game. You can build those habits. And again, if you're, if you're not in the NHL till you're 21, that's, that's hardly a, uh, a setback at all. Yeah, no. And it's funny because we talk about Ty Smith a lot. And the biggest problem with Ty Smith, who's a similar, similar brand to Brian Clark, but Brian Clark, I will say is a more talented player. Like even, you know, compare them both to drafters brian clark was an exceptional prospect and still is um even with where he's at the problem with smith was the devils were like okay this kid's talented he's got his weaknesses but let's put him in the nhl spots to succeed and he'll kind of figure it out well he didn't and he could score you know a decent amount but he is at the point where you know he's passed through waivers now teams don't even believe in his ability to trust him and i think a lot of that is because you didn't get to to kind of iron out those warts in those formative years. It's hard to do that later in your career. We talk about it and maybe sometimes with um, little details and reconstructing your game, it, it can be done. But when you're talking about like muscle memory and just instincts and mm-hmm. compete level, just certain things, you can't just turn on a dime with that. And I think for Clark, like if you want to become more competitive, if you want him to really hone in on those things, that's what the AHL is the best for. And I think yeah. it's no surprise that he's here at this point. I, I would have been, I'll put it this way. I would have been shocked if he beat out Jordan Spence. And that's not even a, an indictment on Clark more so that I think we've said it so many times on the show, like Spence is so ready to be there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's tough competition ahead of him. Um, you, you really can't go wrong. And, you know, credit to him if he dominates. Put, put it this way. Like, Zidane Chara had to go to the HL as a young defenseman to learn things, to you know, to, to become a better skater, to, to develop those pro habits. Things turned out very well for Zidane Ochar. Uh, so, you know, I, I always I, I go back to that. Like, if, if a guy like that can go to the AHL, and granted, it's a long time ago, but still, there's there's no shame in it. It's, it. It doesn't mean anything other than you just need some extra time to develop. And, uh, you know, if that's what you need, that's what you need. Again, comes back to what Pascal Vincent said. We want you to be in the, in the NHL for the next 15 years. We don't want you to turn into – you know, with all, I'm not trying to pick on Ty Smith. We don't want you to turn in a situation where now you're on your second team. You're, yeah, your confidence uh, in the gutter. Your confidence has been, been beat up. Uh, you know, and you're 23 and, and, and you, you have all these people whispering about you or, or not whispering. You know, the whispers get a lot louder. So, yeah, let, let a player have, have some time to just grow a little bit. It's like anything, like whatever you're doing in life, 
you don't want your mistakes, uh, you know, born out of the, you know, being, being young to come back and just kind of define you and mm -hmm. follow you the wet rest of the way. Absolutely. Another first round pick, Brennan Offman, um, teammate of Brian Clark's growing up with the Don Mills Flyers. He's going to Hartford was never really in contention for a roster spot with New York, just the way that the roster is set up. Also, you know, Will Kyle, um, another yeah. player that, uh, or Will Cully, sorry, yeah. I'm saying Kyle. Um, Will Cully, uh, won that top nine spot there. But Brennan Othman, highly regarded prospect, raw uh, by that same vein, and going to a Hartford team that's a lot better loaded up than years past. Yeah, Hartford, uh, that, that's a big thing too, right? Like in years past, uh, I might have been a little reluctant to have him go down to Hartford because it was such a thin roster and, you know, you, you had like kind of no cushion around you. Like, and you know, that, that's the other thing, the AHL, like you don't want to put players in a position to fail where, you know, they're asked to do too much too soon. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, he's going down. They, they had, they had a good summer. The New York Rangers did in terms of really building out that Hartford roster, bringing in some real reliable veterans, you know, quality ones too, that, that can, uh, you know, like a Riley Nash will be able to, Take a, a young player like Hoffman under his wing, work with him again, learn those pro habits. And, um, you know, it worked really well last year for, for Will Colley. Like, he was a player that came in, he was he was definitely raw in some ways. And, and he had a year there with Chris Knobloch and his staff in Hartford to, to, to kind of uh, polish some of those edges in his game. And, and now he, he won a spot to stick in New York. And um, so, Again, it, it, it's not it's not a setback. It, it's it's another step, and it's a step that most players can't skip. I mean, the ones that jump straight from another league to the NHL without going through the AHL, that, that's a small group. Yeah. You know, uh, that those are the exceptions, and I think that 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 perception out there that you know, okay, well, the AHL might be an optional step. You know, is really not borne out by any of the evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's. 85 to 90 percent of players that play in the NHL in any given season had to go through the AHL at some point, and it's just kind of a necessary step. It's like it's like anything. Yeah, I mean, you don't step right out of high school and work, you know, into a full time, you know, professional job. You usually have to go to through some sort of training, be it, you know, you know, technical or whatever, educational, and and it's the same thing if you're a professional hockey player. You have to mm -hmm. have to take that step, and it's just. It's the next part of the evolution uh, of getting that player from, you know, be it college or junior or, or wherever into the NHL and getting them there so that they stick full time. That's the biggest thing. You don't want to have a player get ruined. And I've seen it time and time again where they're not managed well, they're mm -hmm. rushed, uh, their confidence is shot by the time they're 22, 23 years old, and they're never the same player. And then you always go back and you look back at it and you're like, well, what could that player have been? been had it not been uh for this mismanagement so i think yeah get him get him to the hl let him play let him let him have some success too right like you know you don't need to be playing eight minutes a night in new york uh in, on the fourth line like let him let him have a 20 goal season in the hl and, and, and take that confidence with him going forward absolutely and then another person uh, from the 2021 draft all of which we've been talking about here all from the same draft class tyler boucher a mm -hmm polarizing i don't even know how to describe it kind of yeah looked at it as a as a reach of a pick at number 10 by ottawa was originally going to be playing college hockey did not do well there when he went to the ottawa 67s in the backyard of the the senators of teams that drafted him 
Now he's turning pro. Boucher has been uh, lauded as a, as a player that, you know, as a power forward can correlate to the pro level quite well. We don't know really what his ceiling is. That's yeah. what we're going to really need to figure out in Belleville here for him. But it's uh, it's going to be an interesting stint for him because he needs to get some positive momentum, right? Yeah. A lot of guys coming into camp and coming into their first pro season are usually, especially high picks, are always coming off a strong season, you yeah. know, being dominant. We can't really say that with Boucher. And he, he missed some time last year as well, but it's uh, it's going to be a very, it's surely a learning curve, but it's going to be a very important first year for him to, to get things going in the right direction. Yeah, so I had that that year split between uh, Boston University and the 67s, and then he had last year, he had the shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. I mean, he just needs he needs to play for one. Like, yeah, that's the first step, right? Like, uh, just you know, get some games under his belt. Number one, number two. I mean, I think polarizing is is probably a fair char- way to characterize it. Uh, it was it, it was lauded as a reach at the time, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. I, and ceiling is this is something we should probably at some point really did get into because ceiling is such an interesting topic. Yeah, and and that for me is the hardest thing to define with a player. Like, how much or how close are they to their ceiling? I think is, is always something when you're looking at a young player, and and some players get there really quick. Right, like they might be twenty, and they're just about like fully baked, and mm-hmm. they're ready, you know. In turn, but like that, their ceiling is it. That's that's all they'll ever be. And then there's other players where it's just a, it's it's almost like the turkey in the oven, you know. Like it's it's a long, long, you know, all day type of thing. And you know, maybe they're 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 not. You think they're at their ceiling. Their ceiling keeps getting a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And I think. With Boucher, maybe that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping that okay, there, he's still got a long way to go, and I I think that's a reasonable uh, expectation with him. But I do also think he's probably a, a type of player you're gonna have to take a much more patient approach with, probably more so than you would for a typical you know top ten pick. Um, but I will like to see him go down to Belleville, uh, work with David Bell and his staff. Uh, and really start to, you know, get a little bit of success because, like you said, it's just kind of been a little bit of a chaotic mm-hmm. past couple of years for him. I mean, like, and like any player uh, who went through the, the pandemic year, that was disruptive. Then you had the, the, the shift from BU to, to, to the OHL, obviously kind of a much different brand of hockey. Then you had the injury situation. So if all goes well this year, this is going to be his first normal quote-unquote season, really, mm-hmm. you know, like, in, in quite a long time. So I think if you're Ottawa, that's what you're hoping for that, you know, and, and they've had pretty good success bringing players through Belleville the last number of years, and you know, whether it be Josh Norris, Batherson, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah. And I mean, you know, if you look at it stylistically, Boucher plays that kind of piss and vinegar style that Ottawa's sort of, I wouldn't say that's our identity, but even over the last couple of years when Ottawa hasn't made the playoffs, they've been known to compete really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at their leader, Brady Kachuk. He plays a, you know, really tough, tough tooth and nail kind of game. So I think that if Boucher can fit into that, they have Ridley Gregg up there now too. Yeah. If you can, if you can carve out a role there, that's valuable to a team that competes. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out for him. And we'll obviously get to that uh, once we, once we get into that, uh, 
time of the year when we can evaluate it. All right, one last one for incoming first round picks. Shane Wright. Shane I'm going to say right now, if I am the Seattle Kraken, I am doing everything possible to keep him there all year and don't even call him up. Like this is, yeah. I'm saying this without watching him play a single game this year. I'm also saying this knowing that during his conditioning stints before, like in the regular season last year, he was great. He was really good. But this player of all prospects needs consistency and a, a prolonged bit of runway to show what he can do. And Coachella, sorry, by extension, Seattle has a lot of depth. So if they need a call-up option, there's guys they can put up there in a pinch that can play five minutes a night better than right. Keep Shane Wright and Coachella all year, and I promise you it'll bring back dividends for you. Yeah, I think barring, you know, he goes an absolute tear. You know, he's just ripping the league up and makes it all but impossible. I think, yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. Leave him there. Let him, let him, at this point, Last year was so chaotic, right? Like he started in Seattle, went to Coachella in the conditioning stint, went to the World Juniors, uh, went to the OHL. OHL team is eliminated early, uh, early on. Goes to uh, back to Coachella Valley. Now I think that was at least uh, as chaotic it was. It did end on at least a pretty good note for him. He got to stick with them for their whole playoff run. But even then, I mean, like you could tell, like there are nights where things overwhelmed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he certainly was. Uh, a player that I think had kind of met his match. Uh, so there's still, there's still work to do. And, and, and again, that, that's, that's okay. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, he'll get to play for Dan Bilesman and his staff down there. Uh, he'll get to just for once, just be in one team, one system, and not just this, this like chaotic uh, situation that it was last year, really through, through, through no one's fault, just the circumstances. But um, I don't see a wagon. Yeah. Coachella is going to be so good this year. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, this is a team I think um, you know very well positioned to make another deep run. You know, mm-hmm. they were second overall in the regular season last year. Uh, went to Game Seven overtime of the final last year. Came down to a you know obviously the bounce of a puck, uh, and I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see them make another good run. They they a lot like the Hershey Bears. They might be better than they were last year um, if you can believe that. So. Uh, he has a chance to be a real focal point of that lineup mm-hmm. and uh, play those top three, top six minutes uh, and be be a guy that they count on heavily. So it's it's not a bad thing for him to go down. That's why you want to build a strong AHL structure, right? Like you want to have a Dan Bilesma there. You want to have a good development system uh, because when you when you send those players down, then you can feel you can feel comfortable that okay, they're in the right environment that you're not sending them into an environment that's not conducive to development. So uh, this is a, this is the absolute right move, I think, for the Seattle Kraken to do that. Now let's shift over to a topic that has dominated our off-season uh, outlook. Probably the last we'll talk about this until it comes up in some way, which I don't know if that'll happen, but the Carolina Hurricanes development plan. So Piotr Kochikov is going to Syracuse. That's a loan. That's Tampa Bay's affiliate. Noel Gundler, Griffin Mendel, and a couple other players going to Norfolk. Uh, in the ECHL, a couple other prospects were assigned overseas. Jamison Reese to Springfield. This is the worst case scenario that we could have ever gotten to. How, how sustainable is this? Uh, we, you got to ask mid to even in the present, long term, it's not. But how, what do you do this year? This is this is concerning. Yes, uh, it, it's funny now, like because we have we've and wait, where's Ryan Suzuki playing, Pat? 
Uh, I believe he's, he's with Carolina still for right now. Yeah. Um, so, um, wow. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, so, Oh, you're in a situation where you had to send a player like Nolan Gundler down to the ECHL. Now, all those players that were sent down to the ECHL, I'll, I'll believe it that they actually will play there. You know, when I see it, I think I think there's still another move. To yeah, it has to be temporary for at least now. I would least, think uh, of a holding place. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, this again, we, we we've kicked this topic around a lot, but we kicked it around a lot just because it's such a uh, such a odd situation that this is now it worked out okay like let's take coach a coffee it worked out okay that you know through kind of just uh you know the misfortune of the tampa bay lightning with andre vasileski that that really left them in a goaltending pinch that obviously trickled down to syracuse Mm -hmm. syracuse was in a real real bind uh needing some goaltending help syracuse was a a, you know or tampa was amenable to that uh so who get to go in there now but let's say Vasilevsky will get healthy, you know, things sort of even, even out there. And all of a sudden there's not room for Coach Koff. And so now what? Now you got to re- reassign him somewhere else. And all of a sudden you, you get into a situation where uh, you have to move your players around, bounce them around, and you're not getting to see them every day like you would um, if they were your own players. Like, like when, for example, when they were in Charlotte, they were two and a half hours down the road. You could have your development staff down there all the time. You had, they were playing your system. They were doing everything. Um, and they don't have that now. They're at the, again, we, 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 this is something we discussed. They're at the mercy of other NHL teams, um, both being willing and able uh, to accommodate them. And, you know, obviously then you're sending other players that would have been in the HL, you're sending them overseas. Uh, so you're, if you're, you're, you're playing in, in Finland, for example, or you're playing in KHL, those teams have completely different objectives, right? Like they're not there to develop. They're there to, to win games. Like they're, that's what that, uh, those leagues are all about. So um, I don't like this uh, even for one year, but, you know, I think, you know, Don Waddell, he just spoke with the media today down in Carolina. And, you know, he, he stressed the point. It wasn't their doing. Uh, it's not something that they wanted, but they find themselves in this situation. But, um, uh, that being said, you know, it's like the, it's the old adage, you know, this, this, this situation uh, may not be something that you chose or something of your doing, um, but it's your, it's your responsibility now to find a, a solution for, it. Uh, you know, based on what he said, like uh, they're putting a lot of uh, uh, you know, pressure on a lot of different parties to get this uh, situation straightened out for next year. And I think uh, he knows as well as anybody that they need to, because, this is something you can't let go on. Uh, mm-hmm. Even one year, I think, is, is is pushing it, but certainly beyond that. Again, I've talked about this before. You look at the Edmonton Oilers in the mid two thousands; they got into a situation. They were sending players to five different a- a- AHL clubs. It was it was something that I think set them back for a number of years. Like you know, you just were not able to develop players properly, and uh, I don't like it for them. But uh, it's a situation they find themselves in. They'll have to make the best of it. Uh, but you know, obviously in the development oriented time, uh, this is, is far from ideal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. Now, before we close off today's show, let's get to some news around the AHL. First off, Marco Rossi, he's sticking with Minnesota for a second straight year. He made the team out of camp last year, uh, but then eventually was sent down after scoring, like, I think it was one point in 19 games. Mm-hmm. He's sticking around again. We still have to see how long that'll be, but he's on the third line with like Marcus Foligno and Frederick Goudreau. It, it's an interesting one because I said this before for him to really to unlock that offensive potential. He's got to be with offensive players. Uh, you know, you would maybe worry that given that he's playing with these type of players, Foligno and Goudreau, maybe he could sort of get back to or, or kind of be resistant to unleashing that offense and giving up and kind of focus on just the defensive side. Mm-hmm. But the reality is this. He's not going to beat Erickson Eck or Hartman right now. And the hope is that you can just get him to walk a team, be a good defensive player, have a bit more confidence and provide some secondary scoring. So that that's something that's interesting to keep an eye on, I would say. Yeah, you know, I like it's funny. We, we've had a few different players, I think for good reason, that we've really um, examined very closely. You know, yeah, he's one of them. Marco Rossi's one of them. Shane Wright, Dustin Wolf, all legit um, top, top prospects in their own right. Um, and uh, Marco Rossi, we had Tim Army on with us a few weeks ago, and obviously, you know Tim. Like Tim likes to, uh, oh yeah, really loves to uh, loves to talk hockey, loves to really drill down on, on a player, and, and he was you know, a ton of insight on you know from a firsthand perspective. A uh, guy worked with him day in and day out. Good for Marco Rossi. He's been through every setback you could imagine for a young player. Obviously, the COVID situation a couple years back. Uh, he really worked his way uh, back, and you know I think you know it was a point, good point that Tim made that you know when he was sent back last year from Minnesota, that first night he came in, uh, was out on set at San Jose, I believe, and just you know uh, yeah, like three points in the first period. So like uh, good on him, you know, really good, uh, good head on his shoulders. Wore an A for the team last year in Iowa, uh, and maybe this is the last we see of him in the NHL. Maybe this is his opportunity to go up to Minnesota and. And never come back. And if that ends up being the case, uh, you know, it'll have been the result of a lot of hard work uh, on his part, and also with the staff like Tim Army that worked with him in Iowa. Absolutely. And a uh, couple AHLers, longtime AHLers that have graduated and made the NHL team out of camp, we should recognize Michael Carcone in Arizona, Lucas Johansson in Washington, and Matthew Phillips in Washington. After several years, they have finally cracked it. We should give a little bit of recognition to each of them. Let's start with Michael Carcone. Uh, one of the, I think, the best player in the AHL last season, in mm. my opinion, was excellent, led the league in scoring, dominant for Tucson. He's getting a chance in Arizona, and he he had an interesting path, right? Because oh, yeah. he, he kind of, like, the way that I look at his career is he kind of was one of those guys where he he aged out as a prospect, and yeah. he he aged out as a prospect and became just an AHL player, right? That's what he was. But at that point, like, in Tucson, really, is where he really, like, the second he got to Tucson, it seemed like he was given more rope to be an offensive type of player and unleash that. He's got great speed. He has some some good skill, but as we always talk about, it's that 2%, right? You know, yeah. the, 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 error, the, the margin for error and just the 
the degree of talent is the line is so thin. So in Tucson, he really, really reinvented his game at the pro level. That is right. He really was able to become that top end offensive contributor. And now you look at it and it, he went from, you know, a 0.6 point per game guy to 0.8. And then it's like, whoa, he's well over a point per game in Tucson. And then he goes to Arizona and has some NHL stints. And in like 30 NHL games, he looked like he belonged. So it's, it's a good story there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with him, like, I think he was sort of cast his first several years in pro as kind of an agitator, a guy who would just come in, play that third line, kind of mix things up. And it's funny how he ended up with Tucson in the first place. Like, it was in that pandemic season, that short AHL season. He, he was actually with Nashville in their system. They did – Milwaukee wasn't playing that year. Mm-hmm. Um they were sharing – they had sent some of their prospects to the Chicago Wolves. There was no room for him there. They, they worked out a deal with Arizona to send him to Tucson. Well, lo and behold, he goes to Tucson, just absolutely uh, has a, a breakthrough year. Tucson says, hey, I think we like this guy. They sign him. He keeps it up. I mean, at that point, though, he was like 25 years old. Like, again, like you said, he was a player that was kind of, you know, he had that label. It's like, okay, this is the guy that's going to be the HL for life. Uh, that's not an easy label to, to shake off. He did. And then last year, obviously, I agree with you, Perconi was just absolutely dominant. Uh, there were nights where he just – Clearly the best player took, took teams over uh, on a lot of nights. And, uh, you know, like uh, I like what they're doing in Arizona. Like, uh, you know, they really are trying to do it on merit. Like it would be, it would go back to Dylan Gunther. It would have been easy to put the first around ninth overall pick in the lineup, send the AHL veteran down to Tucson, but they're really trying to create that competition, not hand out roster spots. Um, and, uh, you know, good on him at 27 years old to finally really get that breakthrough coming off training camp. Then Lucas Johansson, uh, oh, sorry, Johansson, not Johansson. Interesting story in Washington. You would know better than me. Just tell us a bit about the last half decade in Hershey he spent. Yeah. A first rounder too. Right. So like you don't usually see first rounders make it after such a long path. Right. Usually they, if they're not making it, they kind of fizzle out and, um, he stuck with it. And I think to their credit, Washington stuck with him. He had some injury issues. Uh, his first couple of years, I remember him, uh, some tough nights for him, uh, in his own end for sure. Uh, but real, real good. Um, uh, very receptive, very absorbent in terms of, uh, teaching, you know, like he got a lot of, I think that was the thing too, for, for a player like him, he got to play for, um, you know, several different coaches, including Spencer Carberry, who's now the head, head guy in Washington. Um, and he stuck with it. He stuck with it. And, like, by, by the end last year, he was somebody you could throw out there against the best, you know, the opponent's best players and, and really count on. And, and, you know, good for him. Like, you know, um, for a first-rounder, um, for both sides, both player and team, to, to really uh, stick with things. Because teams, teams will talk about – they'll talk, you know, trust – trust the process right but like mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't either right like they get impatient yeah and uh i think to washington's credit they were patient uh with him and, and he reciprocated as well and now we have ourselves an nhl player absolutely and then last not but not least matthew phillips yeah. who is basically the third co-host on this because we talk about him so much uh great to see him crack the the capitals roster opening night from here who knows what happens or, or how it happens but uh we, we've we've banged the drum to nauseum, so we don't need to get too much into it. But it's uh, it's awesome to see him reunited with Mitch Love. 
his coach uh, in the Calgary system before. And uh, yeah, here, here's hoping he does what Sonny Malone did last year, which was just kind of prove as a small undersized guy that he can play and, and be a solid middle six forward. No, like it happens, right? Like you look at Yanni Gord, you look at, uh, let's say uh, Jonathan Marcus. So those were guys that were quote unquote too small. Mm-hmm. And they were they were deemed to be uh, AHL lifers, and you know, lo and behold, they got their their little sliver of opportunity, and and, and they they ran with it, and they've never looked back. I'm not I'm obviously not going to go that far with with Phillips. Who knows? But uh, you know, just I, I know him in terms of his 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 attitude and his approach. He'll certainly be uh, he'll he'll make it if he makes it. Uh, long term because of that that mentality like nothing has ever uh kind of deterred him he's always been a player like i've said before like he's he plays like he's six two even though he's five eight uh and he's just got a, a incredible motor incredible uh work ethic and you know good for him like there's players you see when they make it like you're really happy for them and like that's a guy that like everything came against him and you know he didn't get to stick with his hometown team in calgary he takes a chance on himself, bets on himself, goes to Washington, and uh, kicks the door down. Has a great crane champ, and we'll see where this goes. Absolutely. All right, Pat, that's it for our last show before the regular season. Next week, we'll already be in the thick of it. We'll get into what's happening now. Our teams will be prospects of the week, the usual show format. Thank you for sticking with us throughout the offseason. We're just excited for Hawk and Stars as you are, and we'll see you next week.